Father, in these moments, would you be honored by our worship through your word? Would you, Holy Spirit, come and be our teacher at this time? Guide us into truth and understanding. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I bring you greetings from Camp Mission Meadows, where about 30 of our guys are up there on a getaway of both First Alliance and Epic Faith. They're having a great time with Steve Volstad, our missionary in residence, as the guest speaker. It's been a great weekend so far. They're probably just wrapping up their chapel service this morning and should be on their way home. They've had a good time with basketball, playing golf, and bouncing around Chautauqua Lake. Literally, some of them bouncing on the lake. So uh, we look forward to having them back and in in what God has done this weekend. If you have your Bible, take it and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We are uh, picking up on this uh, series called Overflow. Last week was the first week that we uh, started it. it it's the, was the opening ser- uh, message in that series. And we looked at the whole idea of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the theme for this series. And what we looked at last week were some foundational assumptions that I won't go into today for time. Um, but we also looked at the fact that there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding, misconceptions, or uh, bad theology, or uh, something like that in our past and in some of our histories that give us an incomplete view on who the Holy Spirit is. And some of us, for the first time, maybe last week, even realized that the Holy Spirit was alive and active and living inside of us as we've said yes to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside and lives in us, His person and His power. And so we looked at what that meant for us, and we looked at the idea that, that God's desire for every one of us is not that we would just have eternity secured, but that we would also live life here and now until we get to eternity, that we would live, live life here and now to the fullest measure, abundant life, an overflowing life, a life that has the richness and the grace and the goodness of God overflowing in all of us. We believe that the person and the power of the Holy Spirit is important to understand. We believe that God wants to give us that that life that is overflowing with His goodness. We understand that there is abundant life to be had. And we understand that if we would if we would really tap into the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, we would live that abundant life. Now, last week someone uh, asked me if I was if I was going to give um, some steps in the or a process of how to realize the power of the Holy Spirit um, in our lives. And I said, "Relax, it's coming." I'll get you the steps. I'll get you a process. It's coming. I said, I can't give it to you all at once or you won't come back. So we've got to keep you, you know, keep it short and let you come back. But as I thought more about that, I thought of how, how very true it is that a lot of us are, are um, uh, I lost my thought, train of thought. A lot of us are linear thinkers. That's what I was thinking. A lot of us are linear thinkers. We think in sequence. We think in patterns. 
We think in, in steps. Give me the steps to understand what you're talking about. We live with um, compartments. We live with organizational boxes in our mind. That's how we see the world. That, that's the way I am. I think in process. I think in sequence. Give me step one. Give me step two. What is step three? I realize that some of us are linear as we think that way. And, and the, the flip side of that is that some of us are more abstract thinkers. We're, we're more free-flowing. We don't, we don't really care if, it's, if we have to do step one, two, three, and four in a sequence. As long as we know that one, two, three, and four are there, we'll just do it any time. We'll just, we'll just understand the process and live with that kind of understanding. A lot of us are more free-flowing in our thinking. So as I think about the steps that we can take to understand and realize the power of the Holy Spirit and His presence in our lives, rest assured, in the weeks ahead, I will give some steps of a process and things like that, and I'll give you some other resources to understand and hold on to. But as we walk up to that point, much of what we will look at is less about steps in a process and more about beliefs and attitudes and understandings of how to allow the Holy Spirit access to our lives. For instance, today it's about choices. In Romans chapter 8 that you have open before you, Paul talks about choices. We're going to look at verse 5 and the verses that follow, but I would encourage you to take time today to stop and read all of chapter 8. Put what we talk about today within the greater context of of Romans 8 and and unpack more of what Paul is trying to tell us about living life according to the Spirit. But in these passages, he really talks about choices. We all have them. We all make them. And here Paul indicates that those who are truly followers of Christ, those who have said yes to Him, those who are truly followers of Christ will be led by the Holy Spirit in their life. This not only includes the choices that we make, but it also includes how we make those choices. If it is true that Christ is our Savior and our Lord, then the choices that we make will reflect that fact. How we make our choices will reflect the fact that Christ is Savior and Lord. C.E.B. Cranfield writes this, The daily, hourly putting to death of the scheming and enterprises of the sinful flesh by means of the Spirit is a matter of being led, directed, impelled, and controlled by the Spirit. But it's our choice. We either engage with the Spirit and are led and driven by the Spirit, Or we disengage from the Holy Spirit and we are led and driven and controlled and moved by the fleshly desires and the human desires that are within us. Now until we come to that point where we say yes to Christ and and have our eternity secured and the Holy Spirit living within us, we're all under the influence of what we call the, the sinful desire, the fleshly desire, the human desire. But the challenge and the, the, the battle that rages within us, that God, that, that the Holy Spirit moves within us and, and wants to form within us, 
is that we would say no to the flesh and we would say yes to the Spirit. And we would be living under the control of the Spirit. We either engage with the Spirit or we disengage and we live by the flesh. There's no other way. There are no other options. There's not a third choice that's benign. Those are our two choices. We don't get to simply drift through life. None of us drift through life. The reality is we are controlled in life. We either allow the sinful, fleshly nature to control us, or we allow the Spirit of God to control us in our life. We don't just sit back. We are driven and we are controlled by someone or by something. Look at verses 5-8. through Paul says this, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Here Paul shows the difference between what it means to be a Christ follower and one who has not yet made that choice. It's a distinction that Paul writes about. You are either a Christ follower, we have either said yes to Christ, or we are not. We are either driven and led and controlled by the Spirit, or we are not. We are driven and led and controlled by the sinful nature, the fleshly nature that is within all of us. And when Paul writes that we have set our minds, that we have our minds set either on the sinful nature or on the Spirit, the idea is that of allowing the direction of our lives to be determined. That idea, that word, to have our minds set, means to have the direction of our lives determined. Another way of saying it is this, we take sides. We have the choice We either come to Christ and say yes and have the Holy Spirit living in our lives and have the course of our life determined by the Holy Spirit or we say no to Christ or not yet to Christ and have the course of our life controlled and determined by the sinful nature. Those are our options. Those are our choices. And Paul says if you are a Christian, those who call themselves Christ followers, you are to be led and controlled by the Spirit. The end result is clear. Run it to its natural end. Run that that picture to its natural conclusion. And the end result is is, is clear that the fruit of our choices will be death if we live according to the sinful nature, never saying yes to Christ, or the end of the road will be life and peace with God Because we have said yes, and we are led and driven by the Spirit. Paul then turns his attention to the church, and he says this, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Paul takes a shift, and it's no longer, no longer is he writing about the two distinctions, the two challenges that are 
the two decisions that are out there, the two pictures of either being a Christ follower or not, he shifts his attention and he speaks directly to those who have said yes. Those of us who are Christians, those of us who who have asked Christ to be the leader and the forgiver of our sins, the leader of our life, he turns his attention to the church and now he writes to all of you and all of us together and he says, you... You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. See, Paul paints a sharp contrast in character and behavior. For those who are in the church, for all of you, for all of us who call ourselves Christian, Paul draws a sharp contrast between the life that is to be lived outside of faith and the life that is to be lived inside of faith. The Holy Spirit resides within us, and so then we are to be controlled by the Spirit. Or at least we're supposed to be. I can imagine that many of us, at any given moment, on any given day, don't feel like we're being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Any number of things can happen in the course of a day where we would respond and react in a way that would cause some to seriously question our claim as a Christian, right? Have you ever experienced that? Are you willing to be honest this morning and say, you know what, there are just moments in my life, if you took a snapshot of this particular moment, you would raise your eyebrows and say, are you sure you're a Christian? I see the way you all drive. When you cut me off in traffic, boy, if you had a snapshot of that moment. It's like it's your mission in life, right? To test the faith of other people. Or some of you, you do your uh, grocery shopping at Erie County Farms. Now, from what I understand, boy, you better buckle up before you get in there. Because it's a test of your faith when you walk through there and experience that. I've never been there. I'm not going there. You You are more man and woman than I am to go shopping there. You know, I had, I had this experience uh, this week as well. It was uh, Thursday night. It was about probably 11.30 at night, and Heinz Ward dropped a pass. Actually, he fumbled, which was much worse, and this, it was a moment of crisis in my faith. As I slammed my hands against the floor, hoping not to break them, it was a snapshot, a moment. I, I don't know what was being filtered in my mind, but it was filtered. But there are moments when, at any given moment, on any given day, because of what's happening in our lives, that, that it doesn't feel like we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. I think parenting is like that, right? I don't even need to give one example. The whole context of parenting is like that. But there are moments when you're like, you've got to be kidding. On a more serious note, though, uh, all of us are tempted, all of us are tested in ways that really make us wrestle with this idea of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit really control our lives? Or is it just good Bible reading? Is it true 
Is it accurate? Is that what can be said about us? In the New King James Version of the Scriptures, verse 9 is translated this way, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Remember, he's talking to the church. You, church, all of us gathered here today, you who have called yourself Christian, you, you are not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. This idea of controlled, the word controlled in the NIV, uh, translated in the New King James as in the, either in the flesh or in the Spirit, depending on where we are in the passage, means to be one with, to be in union with, or joined closely So Paul's urging then is that you, all of us, the church, are not one or one with or united with the flesh. But we are to be one with and united with the Spirit. He goes on in verse 11. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Verse 12, it wasn't part of our scripture reading this morning, but we're going to keep going. We're going to go 12 through 15. Verse 12, therefore, shift, major emphasis here, therefore, brothers. He's still talking to the church. You, brothers, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. As I looked at that passage this week, that word obligation just jumped out at me. And I couldn't get away from that word. Therefore, brothers, sisters in Christ, you have an obligation That word obligation is actually uh, better translated debtor. You are a debtor. Think about the debt that you owe on your home or on your car. You are one who is in debt. You are under an obligation to render payment to the company that truly owns your house or your car. You are under an obligation as a debtor to render payment. Maybe it's monthly, maybe it's twice a month, depending on how you've set it up, to render payment. You have an obligation to the bank to pay that debt. But since the Spirit is in you, watch this. Since the Spirit is in you, you are no longer under obligation to the sinful nature. You, are, you don't owe the sinful nature anything because you've said yes to Christ and the Holy Spirit now resides in you, uh, His person, His presence, and His power living within you to help you make the right choice to be controlled and guided in the way of the Spirit. Because of that, you are no longer under the obligation to make a payment, to render payment to sin. We don't have to live this way. We don't have to act that way. 
We don't have to live as the world lives when we are Christians because we are no longer under that obligation. We do not render payment to sin. We are under obligation. We render payment. We give all that we are, all of who we are, to the Spirit, to Christ, to God. Just because it's part of the human, fleshly, sinful nature to lie does not mean we are obligated to lie. We are no longer obligated under, under obligation to render payment to be a liar. Just because it is the human fleshly nature to steal does not mean that we are obligated to steal. Just because it is the human nature to be intoxicated does not mean we render payment and we are obligated to drink to excess and be intoxicated. Just because it is under the, uh, we are the, the sinful nature's desire to, to sleep around does not mean that we are obligated to sleep around. We do not render payment to sin. Just because it is the sinful natural way of life to be led into um, uh, experimental drugs and to get stoned and live life in a fog does not mean that we render payment to that lifestyle. We are not obligated to live that way. I don't have to live that way. I have an obligation to live according to the Spirit. That's where our obligation is. That's where we render payment. We render our payment to the Holy Spirit and to God. And we ask God through His Spirit to come and to live within us and to dwell within us and to give us power. Christ paid both the eternal and the temporal price of your debt. When we said yes to Christ, He not only paid the debt for eternity, He paid your debt for here and now, today. You are not under obligation to live according to the sinful nature. In fact, Paul implies you have an obligation to the Spirit and to live a life that is led and controlled by Him. Are we tempted? Yes. Every day we are tempted and lured by sin. Are we obligated to give in to it? Absolutely not. The Spirit in you His presence gives you the power to stop. The Holy Spirit in you, His presence and His power gives you the opportunity to say no. To back away. To resist. And not live that life anymore. And so forming within us is this battle forming within each person. There's a battle that takes place moment by moment and day by day. And the question is this, will we be led and directed by the Holy Spirit or will we be led and directed by ourselves by determining by the determination of the sinful nature? To whom or to what will we give our allegiance? Paul seems to indicate that for the Christian, the matter is already settled. Our allegiance is to God and to the Spirit. And so the Spirit is within us and we are controlled then by the Spirit. Ideally, that's how life should be. But the reality is that for many of us, we wrestle with this. 
day in and day out, we wrestle with giving control away from, taking control away from our sinful nature and giving full control to the Spirit. We wrestle with having the course of our lives determined by sin or the Spirit. It's a daily battle that we wrestle with. And there are times when we lose that battle and we live below the standard that God has set for us. Every time we lose that battle, every time the Spirit does not have control in our lives, we live below our means. We live below the standard that God has set for us. Many of us live continually, continually paying off the sinful nature, obligated, feeling as though we're obligated to pay into the sinful nature that we have. We come to church on Sunday and we do our Sunday thing, but then the rest of the week we, are, we feel as though we're obligated to sin. I can't help it, I guess. It's my sinful nature. It's natural. The natural man within me wants to lie, wants to cheat, wants to steal, wants to get drunk, wants to get stoned, wants to sleep around. And so those are the things that I do. I guess I can't help it. Because that's the natural thing. But we don't understand. The Holy Spirit lives within us to give us power. And He is the agent that gives us the power and the strength to say, even though, even though I am tempted to do those things, I will say no. And I will stop. And I have chosen, I have chosen to set the course of my life in a different direction. I have given power. I have given control to the Spirit. It's a daily battle. But many of us live paying off the obligation to the sinful nature. Many of us dance with sin instead of dancing with the Spirit. But the contrast, the contrast in living is so clear. We are to put to death the misdeeds of the body. And the only way we can do this is through the person and the power of the Spirit. Watch what Paul writes But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the only way to destroy the misdeeds of the body. Every time we try, every time we try in our strength, in our power, I know how to fix it. I know how to get over it. I can say no. I can quit. I can give it up. I can go cold turkey. I can stop. Every time we do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, ultimately it will fail. Ultimately it will end. It may work for a day. It may work for a month. It may work for a season. But ultimately we will find ourselves right back where we started because it's not the power of God changing our lives. It's us trying to change our lives. And it won't work. Paul writes, by the power of the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Holy Spirit working through us enables us. The Holy Spirit is the change agent that we have to invoke. We do play a part in it. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We do play a part in it. But we need to understand that our part is only empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is the only way true change will happen in our hearts and in our lives. And I know that 
There are those who sit here today that are under the control of the sinful nature. And you understand the bondage and the constraint of that nature. You understand how hard it is to break free. You understand how difficult each day is. Some of you are sitting today, sitting here today, and you're wishing, and you're hoping, and you're begging, pleading with God that something in your life would change, that something in your life would resolve, that something, please, God, please, let this break free in my life. But the problem is our hopes and our dreams and our pleading are powerless unless we give ourselves completely under the control, found in, in union with the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 14, because all of that is true, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit, the spirit of sonship. Now, I can't explain to you the the physics or the metaphysics or the supernatural elements that go into the Holy Spirit giving us power to resist temptation, to stop living according to the flesh and to start living according to the Spirit. I don't completely understand how it works myself. I just know this, that when I say yes to the Holy Spirit, He gives me power, and I can. I can stop. I can resist. I don't have to live like that any longer. I don't have to pay the obligation, the debt to sin anymore. The only thing that I can think of, the only reason this works, the only reason that there is so much power available for us to stop living according to the flesh is this, that we are children of the King. We are children of the King. He has given you not only a spirit that brings you acceptance into the kingdom. We don't get to enter the kingdom as a visitor on a visitor's pass. We enter the kingdom and the Holy Spirit lives in us and we are seen as children of the King. And the King will give you power. And the King will give you strength. And the King will rise up within you and take ownership of you and say you can stop because it's not by your strength or by your might. It's by the strength and the might of the Holy Spirit of God whom you are a child of. And you can stop. And you can change. And you can live life to the full. And you can live in this overflow if the Holy Spirit has control of your life. We are sons and we are daughters of God because the Spirit inside of us and our conduct and our behavior should reflect that, shouldn't it? Why should we live like the righteous live? Why should we put together, put to death the sinful deeds Why should we live according to the pattern of Scripture? Because that's who we are. When the Spirit is inside of us, we are children of God. We should reflect the character and the nature of God. It has absolutely nothing to do with being a holy roller. 
Oh, that's the, that Holy Roller Church. They think they're better than everybody else. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. It has absolutely nothing to do with being marked as intolerant. It has absolutely nothing to do with being marked as being out of touch with the reality of culture and the world that we live in. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with being compared to somebody else. It has nothing to do with comparing my righteousness, my, my, my goodness compared to somebody else's. That's wrong. It has everything to do with the fact that we are children of the King. I live this way because I'm a child of the King. For crying out loud, we are children of the King. Let's start living like it. Let's surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit in us. He has made us alive for eternity. Let's start living like it now. That's that screaming preacher. Why are we so passionate about this? There are lives being destroyed because of sin. There are homes being torn apart because of sin. I think if you would survey the pastoral staff, we would, we would tell you, we hear stories of what is going on in the lives of people that are heartbreaking. Because they have set the course of their life to the direction of the sinful nature. Why are we so passionate about this? Because God wants more for your life. God wants so much more for your life. We believe, and I believe the elders of this church believe, God wants more for this church. But do you understand the reality of the fact that Nothing greater will happen in this church under God's power until it happens in your life. It starts with us. Why are we passionate about this? Because parents weep for children. Because husbands and wives are in in conflict, in turmoil. Because children are lost. Homes are broken. The single feels abandoned and helpless. And we're sitting on the answer. The Holy Spirit, for those who call ourselves Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you and is asking you, unleash the power. Ask me to take over. Ask me to have control. Ask me to do the impossible. It's not something supernatural that we're looking for. We're not looking to go outside and and fly cars off the church parking lot by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not what we're talking about. You want to know what we're talking about? We're talking about moms and dads who come back together They didn't quit. 
Because the power of the Holy Spirit did something in their hearts and their lives. They can't explain it. They can't, they can't quantify it. All they know is this. When, when they said yes, something changed in them. And they had power and they had strength to say no to whatever was destructive and said yes to whatever was life and peace. And it's redemptive. And it's restorative. And it brings hope. And it brings healing. Eternity is secured. Here and now is meant to be lived in an overflow. And we just miss it. Because forming within us is a battle that we have to wrestle with every day. We are not powerless bystanders in life. We are not powerless bystanders uh, with sin rushing by us and we just have to give in and have to give up because there's nothing else I can do. Being found in the Spirit means that there is a constraint available to us that is even stronger than the lure of sin. A constraint that is already at work in our hearts and in our lives. And even though on this side of eternity we will daily battle, we have the freedom and we have the power to fight back. While sin may tempt us, while sin may lure us and call us and call to us, the Spirit's power in us means that sin has no claim on us. We are not obligated to render payment to sin. Again, back to Cranfield. The daily, hourly putting to death of the scheming and enterprises of the sinful flesh by means of the Spirit is a matter of being led, directed, impelled, and controlled by the Spirit. That's about as linear as it gets. You want one, two, three, four? There you go. Holy Spirit, give me the strength to say no when I need to say no. And give me the strength to say yes when I need to say yes. When we do, the Holy Spirit takes our characteristics, our dispositions, and temperaments and guides us in a new direction, writes Lewis Smedes. When we say yes, the course of our life is now fixed and determined by the will and the power of the Spirit. Think about what's at stake. The course of my life is fixed and directed and determined by that which or by whom I give power and control. Cranfield concludes, the life which God promises is not a mere not dying, not the fact that we just don't die in eternity, but it's to be a child of God. And to live as a child of God, both now 
today and hereafter. So as we close this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God is saying to you. I don't know what He's saying to you. I don't know what He's whispering to you. I don't know how He's speaking to you. I just know this, that we need to respond somehow, some way. And so I'm going to invite you to take a few moments of quiet prayer and reflection right where you are. And I'm going to invite you to have a conversation with God. You and Him. With however He's leading you and directing you and guiding you according to what we've been saying over these last two weeks. How do you need to respond to God today? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Take time to have that conversation. Our altar is always open. If some of you feel led and like it's more meaningful to you to come and pray at the altar, you're welcome to do that. You want to stay where you are, you're welcome to do that too. But have that conversation with God. It's critical. Take a few moments now. Thank you.